Welcome to the Obscure Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Njeri Mugudi, and I'm back, guys. I know it has been a while. I've been struggling to be a student, be an intern, and still run my own podcast this summer. But I have love for you guys, and I'm back with stories inspired by love and creation. this it's sometime long long ago and you are attending a symposium this is plato's symposium and imagine in a round room sitting in the crowd and at the center is a guy by the name of aristophanes and he is telling you a story Aristophanes is an ancient Greek who was a comic playwright in Athens. He used to praise love in a sort of vain way, and to him, mankind did not understand the power of love. And if they did, he thought, they would build him temples and altars and offer him sacrifices. He wrote an interesting story, or theory, about how human beings were created and love came to be. D'abord, il vous faut apprendre ce qu'était la nature de l'être humain. So he is standing at the center of this room and it's crowded and people are listening and you are among them and he is telling you the story of love and creation. He, he goes, In the beginning, there were no two sexes as there are now, but there were three. There was man, woman, and the union of the two, man-woman. Primeval man was round like a sphere, his back and his sides forming a circle. And he had four hands and four feet. He had one head and two faces looking opposite ways, set on a round neck, all precisely alike. Also, four ears and two privy members. Man could walk backwards or forwards or roll over at great speeds, sort of like Sonic the Hedgehog. This is mean, Jerry, not Aristophanes talking. Now, the sexes were three, divided as man, the child of the sun, 
woman, the child of the earth, and man, woman, the child of the moon. These people had great strength, and the thoughts of their hearts were great, and they planned to attack the gods by scaling to heaven. So I imagine that they were building a sort of like Tower of the Babel thing. I don't know which came first, if it was Aristophanes' story or the Tower of Babel. I'm not sure. The gods were distraught. Should they kill the humans as they had done the giants? But no. That would mean losing sacrifices and losing the people that worship them. And if you're a god, if people are not worshiping you, are you even a god? Zeus had the men split into two to reduce their strength and have them walk upright with two legs. Remember that we had four legs, four hands, and there were two faces facing opposite sides. And these people were round. So Zeus had them split up in the middle. And he had Apollo do this. Apollo then gave them faces and half the neck was turned in order that man might contemplate the section of himself and thus learn humility. In other words, he made people self-conscious. Apollo did as he was told and healed the wounds of the human beings and pulled the skin from all the sides to the belly, drew it tight, forming a knot at the center to form the belly button. He made a mouth at the center and molded the breast. After the division, the two parts of man were left, each desiring his other half, that if they came together, throwing their arms about one another, intertwined in mutual embrace, longing to grow into one again. Man started to die from hunger and self-neglect, and Zeus had pity on them. He had their private parts turned around to the front, and after that the male and female could breed, and that they might form a race and the race might continue. So ancient is the desire of one another which is implanted in us, reuniting our original nature, seeking to make one of two and to heal the state of man. Men, who are a section of that double nature, which was once called androgynous, are lovers of women. The women who had a section of women, they were two women, they are the lesbians, and those who had a section of the male follow the male. And such, a nature is prone to love and return to love, always embracing that which is akin to him. And when one of them meets his other half, the actual half of himself, the pair are lost in an amazement of love and friendship and intimacy, and one will not be out of the sight of the other not even for a moment. These are the people who pass their lives together and yet they could not explain what they desire of one another. For the intense yearning which each of them has towards the other does not appear to be the desire of the lover's intercourse, but of something else, something innate. And the reason is that human nature was originally one and we were all a whole and the desire and pursuit of the whole is called love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The next story is a short story or play written by Mark Twain about the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Dear Diary, this new creature with the long hair is a good deal in the way. It is always hanging around and following me about. I don't like this. I'm not used to company. I wish it would stay with the other animals. Cloudy today. Wind in the east. Think we shall have rain. We? Where did I get that word? Ah, oh, I remember now. The other creature uses it. It tapers like a carrot. I think it is a man. I had never seen a man, but it looks like one, and I feel sure that that is what it is. I was afraid of it at first, for I thought it was going to chase me. But by and by, I found it was only trying to get away. So I tracked it along several hours, which made it nervous and unhappy. At last, it was a good deal worried and climbed a tree. I waited a while, then gave up and went home. Today, the same thing over. It got up the tree again. Been examining the great waterfall. It is the finest thing on the estate, I think. The new creature calls it Niagara Falls. Why? I'm sure I do not know. Says it looks like Niagara Falls. That is not a reason. That is mere awkwardness. I get no chance to name anything myself. The new creature names everything that comes along before I can get in a protest. And always the same excuse is offered. It looks like the thing. There is the dodo, for instance. Says the moment that one looks at it, one sees at a glance that it looks like a dodo. It will have to keep that name, no doubt. It worries me to fret about it, and it does no good anyway. Dodo, it looks no more like a dodo than I do. All the week I tagged around after him and tried to get acquainted. I had to do the talking because he was shy, but I didn't mind it. He seemed pleased to have me around, and I used the sociable we a good deal because it seemed to flatter him to be included. I wish it would not talk. 
It is always talking. And this new sound is so close to me. It is right at my shoulder, right at my ear. First on one side, Hello. and then on the other. Hello? Do you know where we are? I had a very good name for the estate, and it was musical and pretty. Garden of Eden. But it's all woods and rocks and scenery and bears no resemblance to a garden. It looks like a park and does not look like anything but a park. Therefore, it is called Niagara Falls Park. My life is not as happy as it was. We are getting along very well indeed now and getting better and better acquainted. He does not try to avoid me anymore, which is a good sign. During the last day or two, I have taken all the work of naming things off his hands. And this has been a great relief to him, for he has not given in that line and is evidently very, very grateful. It used to be pleasant and sweet and quiet here. This morning found the new creature trying to clod apples out of that forbidden tree. I tried to get you some of those apples, but I cannot learn to throw straight. They are forbidden, and you will come to harm. I think my good intentions pleased him, so I come to harm through pleasing you. Why should I care for that harm? My name is Eve. I am a she and not an it, and I was made out of a rib taken from your body. You can call out Eve whenever you want me to come to you. She fell in the pond yesterday when she was looking at herself in it, which she is always doing. She nearly strangled, which made her feel sorry for the creatures which live there, which she calls fish. She continues to fasten names onto things which don't need them and don't come when they are called by them. Anyway, she got a lot of them out and brought them in last night and put them in my bed to keep warm. But I have noticed them now and then all day, and I don't see that they are any happier than they were before, only quieter. When night comes, I shall put them outdoors. I will not sleep with them again, for I find them clammy and unpleasant to lie among. He took no interest in my name. I tried to hide my disappointment, but I suppose I did not succeed. He talks very little. Perhaps it is because he is not bright and is sensitive about it and wishes to conceal it. It is such a pity that he should feel so, for brightness is nothing. It is in the heart that the values lie. I wish I could make him understand that a loving, good heart is riches enough and that without it, intellect is poverty. She has taken up with a snake now. The other animals are glad, for she was always experimenting with them and bothering them. And I'm glad because the snake talks, and this enables me to get a rest. I was trying to bore a hole in a piece of wood with a dry stick when suddenly large flames shot up, and I knew in an instant that I had invented fire. The flames climbed the trees, flashed splendidly in and out of the vast and increasing volume of tumbling smoke. He came running up. What is this? Ah, it was too bad that he had to ask such a direct question. I had to answer it, of course. It is fire. It annoyed him that I should know and, I, and he had to ask, but it's, it's not my fault. Uh, how did it come? I made it. And what are these? Fire coals. He picked one up to examine it, but changed his mind and put it down again. Then he went away. Nothing interests him. She says the snake advises her to try the fruit of that tree. 
and the result will be a fine and noble education. I told her there would be another result too. It will introduce death in the world. I advised her to keep away from the tree. She said she wouldn't. I foresee trouble. Will emigrate. I've had a variegated time. I escaped last night and rode a horse all night as fast as he could go, hoping to clear out of the park and hide in some other country before the trouble could begin. But it was not to be. About an hour after sunup, as I was riding through a plain where thousands of animals were grazing, all of a sudden the plain was a frantic commotion and every beast was destroying its neighbor. I knew what it meant. Eve had that fruit and death had come into the world. The tigers ate my horse, paying no attention when I ordered them to desist, and they would have eaten me if I had stayed. I found this place outside the park, and I was fairly comfortable for a few days, until she found me out. This place is Tornawanda. It looks like Tornawanda. I brought you some apples to eat. There were but meager pickings there, and I was obliged to eat them, even though it was against my principles. I find that principles have no real force except when one is well fed. Eve, why are you wearing those ridiculous things? You'll soon know. These clothes are uncomfortable, but stylish, and that is the main point about clothes. We are now ordered to work for our living hereafter. We will work together. I find that she is a good deal of a companion. I see I should be lonesome and depressed without her, now that I have lost my property. When I look back, the garden is a dream to me. It was surpassingly beautiful, and now it is lost, and I shall not see it anymore. The garden is lost, but I have found him, and I'm content. He loves me as well as he can. I love him with all the strength of my passionate nature, as is appropriate to my gender. If I ask myself why I love him, I find I do not know and do not really much care to know. I love certain birds because of their song, but I do not love Adam on account of his singing. I am sure I can learn to like it because at first I could not stand it, but now I can. It sours the milk, but I can get used to that kind of milk. It is not on account of his brightness that I love him, no, it is not that. He is not to blame for his brightness. In time, it will develop, though I think it will not be sudden. It is not on account of his education that I love him. No, it is not that. He knows a great many things, but they are not so. At the bottom, he is good. I love him for that, but I could love him without it. If he should beat me and abuse me, I should go on loving him. He is strong and handsome and I love him for that and I admire him and I'm proud of him but I could love him without those qualities. If he were plain, I should love him. If he were a wreck, I should love him and I would work for him and slave over him and pray for him and watch by his bedside until I died. Then why is it that I love him? Merely because he is mine. There is no other reason, I suppose. This kind of love is not a product of reasoning and statistics. It just comes. 
and cannot explain itself and doesn't need to. After all these years, I see that I was mistaken about Eve in the beginning. It is better to live outside the garden with her than inside it without her. At first I thought she talked too much, but now I should be sorry to have that voice fall silent and pass out of my life. Blessed be the apple that brought us near together and taught me to know the goodness of her heart and the sweetness of her spirit. It is my prayer that we may pass from this life together, but if one of us must go, it is my prayer that it shall be I, for he is strong, I am weak, I am not so necessary to him as he is to me. Life without him would not be life. How would I endure it? Now that she is gone, I know one thing. Wheresoever she was, there was Eden. That is all for today guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for all the support. For links to today's stories and more cool stuff, check out the Obscure Stories website www.obscurestories.com Be sure to check out the free music archives for all the podsafe music you just heard on today's show. Follow us on Twitter at Obscure Stories or Facebook at Obscure Stories Podcast page. Subscribe on iTunes or you can even download the episodes for free on SoundCloud at Obscure Stories or on the website. I would love to hear from you. I want to hear what story ideas that you have. There's so many of you now and thank you so much. Jerry signing out. Stay curious.